evening, everyone. We are so happy to be with you again tonight. And tonight, we have some exciting things to teach and to read. It will be a wholesome evening, I promise you that. Last week, we were uh, teaching on Contrary Winds, and that was Contrary Winds 2. Tonight, we are going to be teaching on Contrary Winds number 2. I'm happy to be here, standing in for the Manifester. After our teaching tonight, we will do the Gentile service. So, just you that are sick and need special attention, stand by through this teaching and be relaxed out there. Uh, what's nice is your home. You can uh, sit there with a glass of water to drink, with your feet up on the sofa. You can be relaxed with your head back against the couch. Just don't fall asleep on me. But if the worst comes to worst, and you do, remember all of these messages are recorded. So you can go to the Star Rise community and uh, plug into those messages and enjoy them over and over again if you want to. We've received a lot of reviews and a lot of really interest in last week's teaching. People really excited about what we had to say. And we just thank God for His enlightenment. We thank God for His imbuing by the Spirit of these things so that we aren't just empty-handed when we come to the microphone to deliver something for your ears. So, last week we were talking from the 28th chapter of Acts. We were talking about the story, a true story about Paul the Apostle. And he had made a commitment, which he felt was a design by God, that he was to bring the message of the kingdom to the Gentiles, that it was not an exclusive message for the Jews only. He also understood that he would have to sacrifice his life by taking a stand, a stand contrary to the people of his time, and that it would ultimately lead him to Rome and possibly to prison and possibly to death. He was willing for that. He was ready for that. Although I can't say that anyone is really ready to die in the fullest sense, but there is a state of the mind that you do reach in which you say, whatever must be, let it be. And Paul was there. And now the story, just to go over it with a little bit of brevity, is that they determined to get Paul to Rome. And there was some good distance to sail from the roughly Jerusalem area to Rome, and they would use a ship, a sailing ship, which was the popular means of uh, travel and conveyance in those days that Paul lived. And there was a signed centurion with several soldiers who were sort of acting as a police force to get the prisoners that they had, and there was Paul and some other prisoners, to get them to Rome. And usually when prisoners were taken to Rome, it was because they had Roman citizenship. Otherwise, uh, they would just deal with them locally by the Roman, you know, persons that had the status to make those kind of judgments, and they would just either imprison them or kill them. A lot of times they ended up crucified, just like what they did to Jesus. And so, as they proceeded with their determinations to get Paul 
to Rome, there is the story. And it actually starts in the 27th verse. But I'm not going to be reiterating all of that, except the one part where we take the title, which the title of our message comes from the fourth verse of the 27th chapter. And it reads that they sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Little did many of those 276 persons really understand or know just how dangerous this trip would be, uh, how contrary those dashing eastern winds would be as they pushed upon the waves of the seas and would cause such dangerous sailing. But they went from area to area, and uh, there's quite the story, and last week we went through all of that. I don't want to go back through all of the names of the cities and the different uh, areas that they crossed over and the different kinds of people with all their various kinds of names. If you really want to hear all of that, you can go back to uh, the Contrary Winds teaching number one. But the thing that it was is that during this um, journey, Paul won over the heart of the centurion. And so even on various stops, this centurion would make special availability and consideration to Paul that he could take leave and go into those various little towns and villages and meet with some of his friends and even have a little session of teaching there. And this was because the centurion understood that Paul had made a determination and a dedication to go to Rome and that he was not about to flee and had tried to escape because he was committed. And the centurion understood that. And it's beautiful to have a commitment in which you are so determined and, and so assured of what you believe and what you intend to do that it emanates from you. And other people realize that you are uh, involved in a determination and you are a person that is given to it and you will not be breaking that determination and it gives them confidence and security of your intentions. And that is exactly what the centurion had. And so all along the way, there were many different considerations. They came to some extremely different, difficult places in which when they were finally trying to settle in, they had put down four anchors. And at first, some of the people were uh, wanting to just, you know, let down the small boats and try to escape and get into land. But Paul spoke up and said, look, I told you in the first place we should have stopped at one of the islands. But you were determined because you didn't feel it had enough resort type of things to satisfy in a beneficial way your comforts. You decided to face the potential tragedy of these winds and try to make it to this more resortful location, which, as you can see, my advice was sound and solid. Now I'm going to give you some more advice. I'm going to give you some really interesting advice that has a projection of truth to it. If you will listen to this projection of truth, it can save all of you. Because this night, an angel appeared to me, and the angel told me that he had given me all of you persons as souls, and that if they would follow my advice that I'm going to instruct you, the angel instructing him, then they could all be saved. So he said, you must not leave this ship. This is the wrong time. This is the wrong place. 
So the centurion who believed Paul gave instructions to his soldiers to cut the ropes and let the little ships, the little boats, fall back into the sea so that no one would be able to get out and escape on them. That was quite a thing, as I explained last week, quite a mark of faith for a person to to have a stroke of such determination and belief. They then pulled up the anchors, and they sailed a little further to a place where they could see a stream, you know, that was heading inland, and they felt that this would be maybe their best chance. At that time, they did not know that it was also right at the divide where two seas actually came together. And those two seas, you know, when two seas come together, there is a convergence. And a convergence of that nature can be quite a thing to overcome. You could call it contrary to safety. But nevertheless, they were able to pull in and sort of wedge into that stream location where the mouth of it was and become sort of wedged in there. And the convergence and the confluence of the two seas meeting just tore the rear end off of that big sail ship. But they were all able to get out and get into the water. And those that could swim, they swam. And those that could not, they held on to pieces of the of the wood that came from the smashed up rear of the ship and other kinds of debris, and they all made it to land. And then the story goes, that island happened to be an island that was full of barbarian people. And these people, nevertheless, uh, being quite taken with their capable ability to elude that terrible storm. And it was even raining and coming down very hard, even at the time that they got on land. And the chief of those barbarians welcomed them to come in and to warm themselves by the fire, provided food for them, and welcomed them in a friendly manner. While Paul was gathering wood, not just sitting around like a bunch of other people and saying, you help me and you serve me, but he was out there gathering sticks to, you know, keep the fire going. And as he laid them down into the fire, a viperous, viper snake, that's those snakes that were very popular in the old kingdoms with the big wide head and uh, fairly, you know, good sized bodies. And they had these fangs with these long, hollow type of teeth that uh, poured the venom when they would bite into a person. And they were very toxic and very poisonous. And this venom, as Paul laid down a stick, and it was close to the fireplace, sort of hidden under rabble and stuff, it came out and it fastened onto Paul's hand, and its fangs going into Paul's hand, ejecting the poison. The barbarians immediately said, "Uh here's a guy that though he has escaped the sea, and this terrible uh, contrary winds type of storm, must be a murderer or some really bad guy, really bad person, and now, you know, he's going to die, because these natives, they were well aware that if you got bit by one of these snakes and they didn't have any anti-venom in that day, that you just die. And they expected him to die, and he just shook that snake off into the fire. And, of course, the fire burned that and killed that old snake. And then he just kept on doing what he was doing. But the uh, barbarians kept watching and looking to see if his hand would swell. And they thought, hey, this this guy will die. It's just going to not be long. And he just kept 
working and going on and going on and not dying and his hand not swelling. And then they decided, you know, this guy must be a god. And they began to look at him as a god that had come to their land, to their island. And the chief had a relative that was very sick, in fact, probably going to die. And he said, could I get you to do your healing miracles on this relative of mine? And Paul said, bring him to me. And the crew person had an extremely high fever, no doubt an incredibly bad infection. And Paul prayed over him, and the man was healed. The word spread all throughout the village, and even from villages that were connected to those same people. They just began to come in, bringing their sick. And Paul, just one after another, began to pray for these people, and they were healed. So when it came the time to leave, these barbarians were really grateful. And they just furnished the ship with all the kind of food supplies and other kind of supplies that they might have that would be advantageous for their trip. And so it was interesting how that Paul, who made a determination that the contrary winds would not destroy him, that he would not become a victim of those contrary winds. And there are contrary winds out there in this world today, in politics, in governments, in nations, even in the education system, in philosophies, in religions, people turning against people, people contrary in their relationships, uh, even all the way down to the family. Some people can hardly work out their marriages because they have so many contrary notions about how things should be conducted, and they do not feel that their mate is agreeing with their kind of concepts. So, this is also, as I pointed out, a time of contrary winds. These winds uh, today are blowing all over the world. And it seems to be a time with all of the strange events that happen in the skies, the UFOs, the flying saucers, that in the manifest language are called zits and, and zats, and in rare cases, zams. But there's a lot of controversy about that. There are government officials that say, yeah, they know all about it, and it's a secret thing. That is very contrary to what other government officials say. There are people that say, we have seen them, we know they're real, and those people are in the millions. There are many, many other people that, you know, some of them scientists, some of them government officials, that say, look, it's impossible for these aliens to have come here. That's why we don't believe in them. Because at the speed of light, which Einstein has taught us, is the highest speed that is allowable to be traveled in the universe because of going any, even at that speed or higher, everything resolves from a material aspect into a um, kind of liquefied plasma. And in some cases, even into smaller particle breakdowns than that, maybe even into a quantum state. Uh, But, uh, you know, the scientists today, and back in Einstein's day, they didn't know everything. They didn't have all the answers. But their idea is that based on that, you know, it would take years and years and years, like a lifetime, to travel from a remote planet, from a star system, far away in the galaxy. That What nation, what what people would want to venture out and spend a whole lifetime finding a place, and then how would you get, you know, your relatives and other people there? It just wouldn't be worth it. That was their idea, because they did not believe that they could travel faster than the speed of sound. Well, uh, I have offered 
on my 20,000 uh, pomegranate uh, mystery that I would actually show the math and I would actually show how that by atomic inversion that you can travel many, many times the speed of sound without having these particular um, reductions happen so that uh, you are not able to maintain the material physical state and you are put into a, you know, a much lesser body of being uh, such as becoming plasma or becoming quantum physical particles. And I have said that when I get 20,000 people and I've given them to a little bit after the year 2012 to get that petition signed. And if they sign it, then I will make known this incredible revelation to the world. Now, there's probably contrary winds out there. People that, you know, read such statements at that, and they say, this guy's crazy. If he was such a great scientist, why isn't he working for the government? Why isn't he working for the secret agencies of the world? Well, you know, that's for me to know and for you to reason. And you do have the right to not believe, and you have the right to believe. And I will respect you, whichever decision that you make, because the Bible teaches that we should not judge one another, and the Bible teaches that every person has an inalienable, an alienable, and absolutely particular right to make their own decisions. It says each person has the right to believe and to do so with even fear and trembling. In the manifest interpretation, those words have a little different kind of contour to them. They're changed to what we believe the original spirit intent of that was meant. You can find that and such incredible interpretations in the New Peace Bible that will be coming out here before too long. So uh, I've worked on that Bible for, you know, probably going on 50 years. This uh, has considerably over a thousand pages to it. It's a pretty big book. We're thinking of dividing it into at least two books and then also making it available by several of the books. Like right now we've done the book of Revelations and we'll do the book of Ephesians and Daniel, Zechariah, Matthew, and make those available to people individually and with all kinds of references like almost uh, you might see a lexicon in the back of it. Okay, let's go on with this story of Paul. Paul makes it through, but all along the way, the centurion has given him special consideration. When they had thought to kill the prisoners, when they were talking about putting the small boats overside, as I mentioned to you earlier, the soldiers suggested, look, look, we got to kill all the prisoners because, you know, they're going to get out here and swim and, and escape. The centurion wanting to save Paul said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to kill any of them. And they did not. And then when they got to the area where they were, you know, waiting for their next long thrust toward Rome, Paul was given all kinds of considerations along the way. And even after he got there, he was given considerations to be able to stay in a private home. And, you know, he, he, he was sort of under house arrest. But, you know, he could entertain fellow evangelists and fellow believers. And he did that for two years before he was even to go before Caesar and had the opportunity to do the writing, the book of Hebrews, First and Second Corinthians, and many of the other books of the New Testament written by Paul during that time when he was living a very 
incredible time of contrary winds. People against him in the major religions of his day, authorities against him, people that had plotted and planned with intention to have him uh, killed. There's so many, many stories that go along with it. And yet, in the mix and the mingle and the thrust of all those contrary winds, Paul never let those contrary winds become a dominant factor, become a dominant force. He never let circumstances rule him. He took a dominion over those circumstances, always believing that his call, his determination was higher than anything that could be mustered by the forces of nature, by any kind of impetition, by any kind of dark forces and principalities that would dare to come against him, that because he had been given a right of destiny to go and to fulfill these things, just as the angel had spoken to him and said, you know, you must, you must go before Caesar and bring this message. All the indomitable forces, all of the black darkness of thought were not able to muster enough strength to destroy that man's single-handed faith. Now that story of Paul goes on and on, but we're going to wind it up because there's much more to talk about. There's all kinds of other scriptures that go along with this uh, title, Contrary Winds. So I want to take you now to the book of Mark, and we'll turn, if you would, in the book of Mark to the sixth chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 6. So if you are there, then go to verse 47, Mark 6, verse 47. Here's how it reads. When evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on land. And he saw them toiling in the rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. This thing about contrary winds is an event that goes on and on and on. It has happened throughout the courses of the generations of humankind. And we can see that it was happening even in the days of the disciples, even when Jesus was present in a a human body and in their close uh, mist that these kind of things were happening. The um, disciples had gone out into the ship. The main idea there is they were... um, working to get the multitudes of people that were following Jesus for the healing and and the Bible says in some places for the fishes and the loaves because he was always careful to feed people. And he would use the uh, disciples to sort of uh, lead them away so that he could have a break from having to be surrounded with all the people all the time. You know, men of God and persons of God, women of God, when they're ministering, they can't just be pounded upon day and night. They have to have a break. And even Jesus in his mortal body had to have a break. He had, fortunately, people like the disciples who then got in the ship and started sailing toward the other side. So the multitudes, seeing that, they thought, oh, he's going over to the other side of Galilee. Well, the way it was in those days, there were little villages and various kinds of small cities all 
around ringing the Sea of Galilee. And so when you would go over to the other side, you would be going over to another city. So they would take off and start trying to walk around uh, the sea there. And some probably had little boats and, and they would follow the larger ship or boat, whatever it was, of the disciples so that they could still uh, be able to uh, deal and talk with Jesus. Well, I I imagine it was not very long before those in smaller boats uh, hurried to get to shore because uh, one of those contrary winds came up and began to blow. Well, Jesus had just been up to a small little mountainside place or or set-aside place where he had been praying. Now, just because you pray doesn't mean that there are not going to be any contrary winds. Even after Jesus had prayed, the contrary winds came. Because some of these things are absolutely nothing less than impeditions of nature. The word impedition comes from the word impede. And so we're talking about something that interferes. And that's what the word impedition means. It is something that happens, occurs like an earthquake, like the contrary winds, uh, like a hailstorm, all of those kind of things that can and do happen. And this happened after Jesus had prayed. And then the disciples were out in the sea trying to get across to the other side, and they were just following the orders of Jesus. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. Get in the ship and go to the other side. Now, sometimes people get very upset when they feel that they have had a divine commission or a divine order or a destiny, and they are supposed to do something. But in the process of doing it, they run into contrary winds, contrary mouths, contrary people, contrary finances, contrary circumstances, contrary ideologies, contrary philosophies, contrary law, contrary political problems. It doesn't end. There are so many potentials for the word contrary that it could almost be a dictionary of its own. But people get upset when they think, like, God told me to do this. Why would God tell me to do this? And one of the disciples may have said, well, wasn't Jesus praying? How could this happen after the master is, you know, off to himself and praying to God? Isn't God looking out for him? Isn't God going to take care of him? Well, many, many times, and this is very important, and I want you to listen to this, and I want you to hear this, that there are things that do happen in the instances in the vocabulary sense of the word contrary. And these contrary things that happen, they happen in a negative sense, but they have tremendous potential for positive conclusions and positive resolutions. Just like, for instance, as I've said even in the last message last week, that electricity takes both the negative and the positive. And when you create a plug and you can plug in to the combination of that electrical energy that consists of both negative and positive, uh, you can use it for tremendously good advantages and benefits. Well, sometimes these contrary wind experiences have the capability of providing in an awesome sense 
really good uh, potentials and good things. And but you know, I'm, I'm sure that at that moment, that was not what the disciples were thinking, based on how the scripture seems to give the overall relevance of their uh, fear and attitude. And it says they were having quite a time. They were toiling because of the contrary wind. And, you know, it was the fourth watch of the night. That's sort of a scary time to be doing something. And all of a sudden, they looked out, and they saw what looked like a person, a human being, walking on the sea. Not just the water, but walking on the sea. That word sea is more important than saying walking upon the water because it incorporates the condition that is also part of what was happening to the sea. And that was the breaking of the waves and and the contrary winds blowing upon it. So here Jesus is walking on the waves. Now, why is he walking on the waves? Well, the indication is, as he stood there on land, he saw them toiling, and he saw what was going on. So he gets out there and he starts walking on the waves. Now, there's always those religiosities that people come up with. Well, why didn't he just instantly appear there? Why did he bother to have to walk? Uh, Why did he go that slow method? It always amazes me how people come up with these kind of stammering ideas that have no velocities, that have no principle, that have no point uh, for bringing about supra-resolutions that take and turn things into another direction. When you turn things into another direction, many, many times you go into an inversion. When you go into an inversion, it's sort of like doing something opposite than what maybe you're capability to do is, or doing something opposite than what anybody would ever expect you to do. And the idea of it creates a contrast that leaves a mental memory, and it is quite a deep accent that occurs from experiences that are portrayed like that. And so, when they saw him and didn't say Jesus, because at that moment, as in this particular scripture, as it tells it, they hadn't recognized that that's who Jesus was, or that that person walking on the water was Jesus. And they supposed that it had been a spirit, and they cried out. Now, that's the 49th verse. Now, I want to just back up a little bit into the 48th verse, because there was something tagged at the end of that verse after Jesus saw them toiling. He saw the wind. He understood the time of night it was, and he started walking on the sea. And then there's a conjunction used there, and, and uh, if we consider that uh, in my way of, that I prefer to pronounce it, synodaki, it says that Jesus would have passed by them. Now, the indication is, is that if they did not see him, if they did not recognize him, if they did not cry out to be helped, that he would just pass by them and allow them to endure for a longer period of time the terrible contrary winds that were blowing and the resultants of it. But it says they all saw him, and they supposed that he was a spirit, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them. 
Now, sometimes, even if you recognize the presence, even if you don't have a perfect identification of the presence, I think that when angels have appeared to people, it is very commonly reported that they would say to people, fear not, because often when people have seen an angel, it was like seeing an alien from another planet, and people would just immediately be excited by fear. But the angel would say, fear not. Calm down. I am not a contrary wind, although your understanding of it is contrary. So it's exciting, and it is interesting when we consider all of that. And it says that uh, he immediately then began to talk with them. He saw their state. He saw their mental fear, and he said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And that was one of the things that Paul said to these 275 ship travelers and those also who were the ship pilots and the uh, the sailors and the prisoners. He said, be of good cheer. You're all going to be able to uh, survive this uh, contrary wind. You're going to all live and not die. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. So, you know, this probably indicates it wasn't just a little rowboat, that there was, a, you know, it was a good-sized ship, and they had to maybe climb up the sides to get into it. And it says, when he got into the ship, the winds ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they had not considered the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Now, Jesus had, you know, taken just a few fish and a few loaves and turned it into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. They were there. They saw the miracles. But if you think that just miracles are going to make believers out of people, uh, you are wrong. The people in the days of Moses that saw all of the miracles, the rock turning into water, the waves of the Red Sea rolling back and them walking across on dry land, the manna that would keep in perfect shape, but on the Sabbath day it would get worms. You know, all those kind of things were incredible miracles. But they turned against Moses. They turned against God. Miracles don't necessarily convert everyone. They do not make believers. So um, it's interesting to understand that and have that, you know, uh, into your vocabulary of thoughts that when you don't remember the things that God has done for you and you reach a point that you forget his favors, you forget his grace, it is described in this Bible here as having a hardening of the heart. Your heart becomes hardened. You know, the love for God, the tenderness for God, the thankfulness for the miracles that have been done for you. You know, you become hardened. And so God does not want you to become hardened because that is a sad and terrible place to really be. But he showed them, you know, the Scripture says that they were hardened. They didn't remember the miracles. And so we're not able to relate that if Christ could do miracles like materialize a fish and materialize uh, loaves of bread, then 
we are dealing there with, you know, a scientific experiment of that day that was impossible for man to do, but Jesus did it. And walking on the water is an impossible scientific experiment, even for this time in which we live, but Jesus did it. I'm sure the days will come when people just by mind force will be able to have power over gravity, and they will be able to, you know, control energies just by the mind. Those days are ahead and coming. People will better understand the power that Jesus had with his mind. Anyway, that is the story of that particular situation. And then in the 54th verse, it says, And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. So they were in such a state that even though they had lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, listened to his messages, saw his miracles, slept in areas where he slept, ate in areas where he ate, yet they were in such a shocked state of fear and confusion that they didn't totally really believe that he was anything but a spirit of Jesus because they couldn't believe that a physical person could really walk on the water. So it must be a spirit that looks like Jesus. It wasn't until they landed and they got out of the ship that it says that they begin to realize that this, in fact, was Jesus, the Son of God, not only a very spiritual, divine, sacred person, but also the Word made flesh and blood. And then, interestingly, in verse 55, it says they began to run throughout the whole region. They were so excited, saying, hey, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. If you've got any sick, and people say, well, I've got this person, he's, he's crippled, or this person's paralyzed, and the disciples began to help them carry beds and, and all kinds of uh, various uh, ways of transporting people to the site where Jesus was going to be so he could minister. And, of course, uh, it goes on to say that as many as Jesus touched were made whole. And that was also in the 56th verse of the book of Mark. And now we have a couple other scriptures to read. But before we get into that, I have so much to cover. I just need to take the time to talk about some of these other things. So interestingly, in the BBC News Science and Environment, they made a recent announcement. And they said that they have discovered what potentially may be what's called the God Particle. And the God particle, they feel they have been able to send a signal to stimulate it and to bring forth a sound. And it reads like this. Scientists have stimulated the sounds set to be made by subatomic particles, such as the Higgs bosom or bosom, which are produced at the Large Hadron Collider. The aim is to develop means for physicists at CERN to listen to the data and pick out the Higgs particle if and when they finally detect it. They are working with sound engineers to convert the data into uh, collisions that will produce these sounds that they will be able to recognize at the various pitches. So it is very interesting in the teachings of the manifest of the Soundtron, as mentioned in Psalms 19, verses 1 through 6, and as mentioned in the 10th chapter of Romans, 
how that the sound and the line of the sound that has gone out into the world is the mimra of God's and God's wills that he has um, spoken into all the universe. And then the 19th chapter of uh, Psalms, it says, there is no place in the whole universe that this line, this sound, does not go. It penetrates the entire whole universe, and in it holds all of the potentials for everything that is possible to be created or could be created. And so we call this latolution. We don't call it evolution because that's just sort of like a, a wish and a gamble, throwing the dice and hoping it to all, uh, after 20 billion million times, fall into some different kind of, uh, of stroke than random and create some different motif. But anyway, the whole thing that we teach as latolution is the coming forth of these potentials of the soundtron that exist in everything that there is in nature. And from this, all kinds of creations are possible. But now the scientists are getting into this whole concept of being able to detect the different kinds of fragments of the particles as to the sounds that they make. Because everything has its own sounds. It tells us, uh, I believe it's the 15th chapter of Corinthians. All of those things are interesting. Last week, I read to you from uh, the uh, Peace Manifest Bible, you know, several scriptures. I want to read just a few more here. And my wife says I need to go a little slower and help bring a little better understanding to the awesomeness of everything that it is saying. I can't just take too much time because I have so much else to say. But in Revelations 4.1, which in the King James Version, which is the KJV, and this is the Bible that's been around for a long, long time, many generations. And it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, in the interpretation of that, which has been done by the Peace Manifest Bible, it is worded like this, After this, as the eyes of my mind searched, a door of insight opened to me concerning spiritual things. The first level of insight was the voice of a trumpet. Now, it's good to know where this trumpet stands in its particular aspect of the level of delivery. And this is called a first level. It isn't the highest level. The Bible says, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare themselves to battle? We do not fight against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but we are fighting against powers and principalities of darkness. So there is a battle there. Now, it goes on to say that the trumpet then is like a first level. And who will prepare themselves for battle if the trumpet does not give a certain sound? Well, with contrary winds blowing all around the world today, there are more things being spoken of and spoken about through the news media centers and from political pulpits and from religious pulpits and from privateers who are trying to be some kind of special know-it-all people that think everyone should believe exactly like them or they're cursed. There's all kinds of very uncertain, undependable ideas that are being um, perpetuated by people that don't even know what the word perpetuation means. And so that, to even be at the first level, 
is to give a, a certain sound, a definite sound, a positive sound, something that leads to resolution, something that leads to a benefit, uh, something that when it is spoken actually happens. Now today I'm going to be reading some prophecies. Uh, some of these were mailed out, oh, I, I think it's probably been, you know, maybe even a year ago or longer, and I only mailed those out to uh, particular people. There are an awful lot of people that listen to our broadcast, that read our blogs, that follow us, who have never had a chance to have a copy of the Alpha, Beta, Gamma prophecies. I'm going to read some of those prophecies that we mailed out, and then I'm going to read a new prophecy that is in the Gamma section of Prophecy Deliverance. And um, I want to get that all in here tonight in this message because I believe it is the God winds. There are contrary winds out there blowing, winds that are against something and that most times have very negative flavors to them and forces. But there are also God winds, winds like when Christ came on the waters and the sea just immediately understood that peace had arisen and it just calmed down. We need to never doubt that we can have an effect on nature. We can have an effect on impetition. We can have an effect on things that are contrary. But it should always be for a legitimate reason and a legitimate purpose and for a positive resolution. Now, this uh, interpretation in Revelations 4.1 goes on to say, after it mentions that the first level, which is the sound of the trumpet, of the insight was the voice of the trumpet calling my mind to the attention of my total focus. The world of humans are in their minds so much divided. They cannot seem to focus and concentrate on subjects. They are just attention deficit. I'm not putting anyone down that has that as a disease. I'm just using that as a general term for the whole of the population, that uh, they all, to some extent, have an attention deficit because of their incapability to really concentrate and really focus. And so this whole idea of being able to focus is very, very important. And I was drawn to think like I had never thought before. If you just continue in your life just thinking the exact same ways, using this exact same problematical configurations to try to solve your solution... And you already know you've tried those a dozen times and it's never helped you, never abetted you. Then why should you not understand that you're going to have to try something different? And that if you are going to get out of the rattle and the ravel of what you're in, you're going to have to take a different approach. And that's what is all interwound into this whole King James Version, now being brought forth in a beautiful understanding of interpretation by the Manifest Peace Bible. And then it goes on to say, um, I was drawn to think like I had never thought before and to reach to a higher than common earth kind of thinking. I began to understand the order of things, the conditions that will occur, and other things and conditions that will follow them. Uh, let's go into Revelations 4.2, KJV, King James Version. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. 
that in the MIV, the manifest inversion, um, uh, the manifest version of the Bible, it says, and immediately I entered a subaudition into spiritual consciousness. Now, subaudition is not hypnosis. It is a state of the mind in which you are so concentrated into the inner parts of your thinking that you back off from the reality of other things happening around you, and your concentration and your focus happens on an inner basis, and this aids you in getting into you, the spiritual consciousness that is potential within you. And by exchanging my mental position from a physical connection to a spiritual connection. Now, human beings have, according to the Bible and according to almost even science believes this, believe that there is a physical part and there is a spirit part. So the human being is actually a compound person. He's spirit and he's also physical, a physical mortal and a spirit of the mortal. Sometimes in the Bible, the spirit has been called the angel of the presence. And when we understand that we're 50-50, we have to then recognize that we mustn't always do everything just in the physical. We must also pay attention to the potential that we are able to do with the spirit part of us. And that, I think, is what this uh, Revelations 4.2, the Peace Manifest Bible, is interpreting to show that you can have connection to the spirit as well as you have connection to the physical body. The throne angels appeared to me, and ultra personification appeared to me in the power of Am's throne ship. Okay, there's more that I could read there, of course, but I will stop there and take a break. Uh, we might come back to it. We might come back to some of those other scriptures that I mentioned in the Bible that I would like to read. If I don't get around to it, it was going to be out of Romans 11.24 and Leviticus 26, starting at verse 21. I hope I do get to those because they are very, very interesting. But right now, I want to stop and I want to get into three secret manifest manifestor prophecies. Okay, what we want to do is uh, get into these prophecies. If these don't take too long to read, then um, I'll be able to continue some of those other parts that I left off. But I want to make sure that I get these prophecies uh, off. Now, the story of prophecies. Uh, I used to, and you know, still do, but I would go by the term prophet, uh, Jaboah, J-A-B-O-A-H. Jaboah. And so a lot of people over the many, 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 many years have known me as Jaboah the prophet. I know there's a lot of fortune tellers and predictors and all kinds of people, a lot of false prophets out there. But I've had thousands of prophecies that I've given over the years, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies, never had a prophecy that has failed. I remember going way back uh, prophesying about the silver guarantee on the dollar, uh, how that that would be taken off and uh, that it would just become a promissory note. And that happened. I had the prophecy that I uh, sent out as a letter to uh, quite a few people for quite some time before they happened, which had to do with the assassination of uh, Jack Kennedy. 
and of his brother Bob Kennedy. And uh, I had all kinds of prophecies about President Nixon. I had prophecies about Nikita Khrushchev. I had prophecies about all kinds of things of different nations. I had prophecies about new scientific advances, new inventions, various kinds of events that would happen in the world in many different levels, and uh, it's been a very interesting time. So today I want to start reading these um, secret manifest prophecies that we've only heretofore allowed for a selected number of people to read. And I'm now making it available on this um, teaching, and then it will be on the tape. People can go back and listen to it. They can set up their own little recorder and record it off of it. Eventually, it'll be available probably in a CD. And they are the Alpha, Beta, and Gamma prophecies. Here we begin. Prophecy Alpha. Word be made flesh, flesh be made word, faith be made substance, substance be made evidence, evidence of God on a planet that the sun does not melt steel. Show me not your word made flesh, show me not your flesh made spirit. Hear the word of the Lord, you worms of the earth, who live in the holes of the earth called doors to houses. Be proud sparingly, for remember, pride comes before a second fall. Who has spilled the word on the ground? Shame on you, sons and daughters of bitches. Come not into my sanctuary with holy blood on your hands inherited, until you have washed, not with water, but with the Spirit that will make your sins scarlet whiter than snow. Go back into the womb. Be born again. Start over. Toss your cane. Laugh not until you have cried at least three times. Cry no more than three times until you have laughed three times. Go to. Make a fuss. Heal the mess you have made. Every time you see hell, call it paradise. Every time you see paradise, call it hell. Every time you see heaven, call it God. Every time you see God, call am heaven. Forget counting time. It goes on and on. Cry no more. Forget counting time. It goes on and on. Count your skew-ups, for they can sooner or later bring you to such blackness and blankness, you will start counting time over and over again until you fade into an old cloth visited by mostly moths. When your old dry bones lie in the open air, it is because your word made flesh is dead. Time to get a new start, don't you think? Strange is it not, that when I, the Lord, told you to go to the valley of dry bones to prophesy, you ask, What shall I prophesy? I said, Prophesy to these bones to come together, for they are a part of a part that is a part of your part to the part of parts. Finally, you prophesied, 
breath to make these bones to come alive again. You prophesied but did not remember that your bones of the past were out there in those piles of bones. Oh, ho! you prophesied to yourself and knew it not, but I, the living Lord, knew. Oh, ho! then I say, think twice or more before hesitating when I say to you, go over the mountain and prophesy, where I shall show you, for to become born again, you must become free in yourself from all the deaths that live in you. Hear the word of the Lord. Come to me after you have put away your foolish things. Repent of your dumbness. Make a list of your stupidities and burn it. The eighth day dawns. The Lord took you into the garden. Now I must take you out. Uh, you could have used more time there. But the promises of the garden was on one side physical life, while the promise on the other side was death. I allowed you a physical death so that when you awoke from it, you would see the life of your spirit and remember who you really are. I exhort, I prophesy to you, listen to my word. Your stepping shall be manifold. Pass by the skiff. Go and stand on the holy ground. Mind too busy? Be calmed, lest you become a grower of empty scenes. Be calm, lest you become a grower of empty scenes. Pass beyond those barren isles that cling to your thoughts. Spew them out of your mind. When your human creature dominates with carnality, Go for a deeper dive into the Spirit. In your fling through the doors of churches who are wandering stars, I, the Lord, have somewhat to say about the fuzz of their message. Why do they concentrate on the message of physical death and the end of things instead of the message of life and love? In your thoughts, where the crowds of the church would hear me. If you seek foremost to save your life, do you not understand you will lose your life to the folly? Ancient things are being swept away. The landmarks are being removed. Where are they who will stand in the gap as detectives to feather out forensically lost truth? Go to, you prophets and sniffers, write script that will come alive and rise like shooting stars streaking upwards. If the church will not convert, then divert from them. Many of the noises out there, many are the trinkets and the fascinating sparkles of entertainment. The show goes on and the watchers chew their gum and try to figure out the inane simplicity. But in the hearers of the word, I, the Lord, say, the birds sing, but they do not prophesy. Horses run and hold their tails high, 
but they do not prophesy. Leaves on trees shake in the wind, but do not prophesy. Do you think because you are a human animal that makes you superior, therefore you prophesy? I, the Lord, say it is not so. You prophesy truth when you prophesy by the Spirit. You prophesy by the Spirit because your Spirit is an angel of the presence, which existed before the earth world began. Come to the sea. Come to the seashell. Listen to the deep echo of that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. In the dark green of the foundation stone of jasper, check out Revelations 21.19 KJV for this, I will give you the power of influence to convince hearers to build on destiny ground. The dark shape of the conundrums that have come to undermine the truth shall fall before the manifest ministries like tumbling rocks down a mountainside. Neuron to neuron, across synaptic bridge to synaptic bridge, I will speak Gentile healing, even unto the pale, groping ghosts of sickness, up to just fade away. I will speak this to them until that happens. A new highway to heaven, signed to earth, will be born. Old religions, laws of pitch and drag, that strung out duplicities to duplicate the morbid reflections to morbid reflections, will be forced into a shipwreck by Jin Tao. The Alpha I give you is the magnitude of the first word, and shall follow the magnitude of Beta, I the Lord have spoken. Now this kind of a prophecy is not the foretelling type of prophecy. I'm explaining this Alpha. This is what's called an exhortation. So it's a prophetic saying, but uh, it is in the sense of an exhortation. Now we go to the prophecy Beta. Hear the word of the Lord. I will speak to you of the axial moment, to those persons who seek sincerely for truth and holy experience. If you will continue in patience to seek me, it will take you beyond surface markings, beyond the interior view, and beyond those persons of lesser spiritual wings. Come to your prominent spiritual mind and exit pervitubance. In the superior lattice of stance, glories will call to come down upon you. Outstretched wisdoms will cuddle you. Attachments of new thoughts will open spans in you, enabling you to think in an expanded consciousness. As you enter the conductive order and move in the deep reflexes of spiritual hearing and spiritual insight, the cloudiness of mysteries will disappear, and the unknown of inner language will become understood by you. Let your eyesight rise until you see the holy mantle of the Christ descending upon you. Then you who have love, hear these words. Understand, when your heart becomes vibration sympathetic to the love of the Lord in Jesus Christ, 
The love of God will join your spirit as a host to the angel of your presence. Therefore, in the course of overcoming negative attitudes through submission to the Holy Spirit, the host of the angel of your presence will baptize you in wonderful deep levels of spiritualities, deep sensory perceptions of the first and second orders of the two commandments of the love of God. The inner zone of your spirit contains an exact copy, the lost chord, that gives the tune setting to the true melody of the song of God. Whosoever singing, humming, or thinking this melody is frequently caught up in the presence of angels. You who desire knowledge, hear my words. Where most people fail in achieving these advances is due to a lack of brooding the word received. This lack of patience is due to their rush and ignorance to harvest that which is still growing as an implant and not uh, a ready-to-harvest planting. Neither do they understand the power of enduring to the fulfillment of conditions or waiting on the Lord until the time of renewal or the power to tarry until endowed by the Holy Spirit, the inhabitation of divine, the vital breath that creates the shoot ways by which great and good memories from the past can be recalled. It is more their symbolism when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. It is more than symbolic when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. You that have the ear of faith, listen. Render the intrinsic power within you to abort the deep word and to apply it to the living of both your physical and spiritual life. Seek the power to open the form of the word by the Holy Ghost to receivable transfigurations of understood mountaintop revelation. If you are weary of the substitutes for the real, if you are of want to transport the maximum of the spiritual real to your mind, then follow this word from day to day and year to year, for here is the voice of anointing crying in the wilderness the way to the city of God. The dynamic image of the invisible, I am God, can become visible in everything wherein lies the soundtron. Open now your mental and spiritual doors, that I, the Lord, may speak and be heard by you again and again. This is better magnitude prophecy. The next prophecy will be gamma magnitude prophecy. I, the Lord, have spoken. So you see that these different named prophecies, the Alpha, the Beta, the Gamma, are different levels of magnitude. Now we're getting ready to go into the prophecy of the Gamma. Here we go. Here into the eye of the future. Mystery tongues speak, for I, the Lord, command you to do so. In the icy mint of forecasts by prognostications, fools are born day by day. Whenever you see predictions based on short-term happenings, you see up to 90% failure of those predictions in most fields and by most people. Even in the Bible, even in the Bible, 
And I want to hit that one more time to emphasize, even in the Bible, many prophecies thought to be short-term happenings often only occur fulfilled by long-term applications. The factor of will, the factor of circumstances, the factor of change, the factors of intervention can cause bearings of prolongation uh, before initiation or extinction of the excite to most any prediction. Uh, Even the angels uh, cannot keep up with this. Only I, God, have such a mind computer uh, that I can believe such precise knowledge. However, sometimes predictions are misinterpreted inasmuch as what was expected to happen was never forecast to happen in the way expected. Then there is memory and forgetfulness, and there is negative imagination and delusion. In this scribble mania of what becomes in some humans a junkyard brain, it is no surprise that inferior minds rise and sometimes become a voice of interference to the truth. And some prophecies are only partials about an event and not an exhaustive revelation of the event. And that in the quantum world, prescriptions for expectations can jump into the unknown so fast that what an observer thought was seen of thought should be seen can glue or unglue in less than a moment. And all this still does not explain the wonders of inversion. Anyone want to be a prophet? Go ahead. Join the Liars Club. For I, the Lord, tell you that without my spirit, without my leading, you, though all of the maze that uh, you will experience, and for the is that is and the what that becomes that becomes, your predictions will surely cast you into the liar's club. Did you live in the strongholds of faith? Do you want to participate in the divine nature of God? Do you want to know the innermost and the uttermost of the matter? Which uh, gate of the manifolds do you, in wisdom, want to enter? There is, of course, a threefold distinction of thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and one hundredfold. Therefore, remember, the Bible listed gifts are not an exhaustive list. The gifts of helps has a vast store of inventory not even touched. Don't fasten yourself to those theologians who swear that the incomprehensibility of ever knowing God is impossible. In this exhortation to you, which is on the particle side of prophecy, I can and will draw you through the needle's eye. I will even summon you by the spirit of providence to come into the evidence of truth. You are weary, are you not, of the intermittent exposure to bits and pieces of knowledge that has no promise of rendezvous to an advance. Uh, You are not among those who dread to know the truth, if by any means that truth exceed their expectations of concept. Is it not your time for you to step out of the common human masses who stand on such an old plot it has made a hole in the ground? So then step beyond being a mere human. Render it to be so an inner contemplation. Contemplate until you feel your feet when you walk. Contemplate until you feel your hands when you touch. 
Commit yourself to success. Visualize portrait of yourself as an overcomer. Your compelling cause exceeds all reasons for you to not do so. In the compositions of perceiving truth, the destinado will scale ramparts and make beachheads on heretofore impossible shores. The destinado understand the final solution has not been imagined by the speculators of the prophecy or by the presentations of worn pupils of ministries of those who deal in convenient concepts that are mainly based on misinterpretations of truth. Are you tired of attempting to be launched, but due to the improper fuel and the incomplete make-ready, you cannot seem to get it achieved? Come to the view of God and see the beauty of holiness. Can I, the Lord, tell you future things? Of course I can. What will happen in America in the next 20 years? Technology will greatly advance. Sons and daughters of nativity with super minds will exalt wisdom in many fields of, of science. New methods of financial operatives will arise. America will advance in military superiority. A spiritual heightening of superior beliefs will occur. America will strike with great anger in an advanced kind of way against an extended enemy insurgents and thereby break the back of the maker of the insurgents. Preachers of the imminent fall of America will be listed with other babbling fools who have spoken what they did not know and were never given of the Holy Spirit to understand. These blabbers, failing to understand that America is destined at the War of Armageddon to be present with super forces to aid Israel in that coming future war. As to the people mud who are the briar and the thorns, if you destroy them, their blood will be as the blood of innocence, and that blood will be on your hands. Leave them until the sacred judgment, lest the good is destroyed with the evil. What about political assassinations? High on the list of rednecks in the U.S. and foreign underground, Obama is a target. Uh, but there are shields about him. Those of blind hate do not understand IBM's destiny to pick up the American status. What will happen on the 2012 calendar date? At least preceding rumbles of displacements in nature will be used as proofs by the fraud prognosticators that the coming cataclysms of 2012 is on track. Let me read that again. The least preceding rumbles of displacement in nature will be used as proof by the fraud prognosticators that the coming catalyst of 2012 is on track. The world will pass this date as another day is passed, except the list of fools who made false predictions will increase in number by their additions to the list of those who made false acclaim on the 2012 date. What will happen with global warming? Global warming will continue and cause much land turmoil and severe weather. In the commotion, new available secrets will be revealed as vast land masses unthaw. Noah's Ark questions will be settled. What is the future of Canada? Canada will become more and more like a brother to the USA, and yet, at the same time, more independent. Some of Canada's inventions will be near the top of the Great List. Its mineral resources, medicines, electronic advances will grow for the market.
What is the future in the next 20 years with China? China's pollution problems will compound, and massive cleanup expenses will hamper financial flow. China will experience several technical space advance failures. The pursuit of China to become a lead superpower will continue. A political voice will rise from Hong Kong, a popular Chinese acclaim. What is the prophecy for the update of about extraterrestrial craft called ZIFs and flying disks called flying saucers and UFO? The subject will become more and more intense, and the world recognition about extraterrestrial visitors will grow and diversify from the flying disk of Earth government. Even uh, as I take a break here, this prophecy right there on the extraterrestrials, from the time this prophecy was given, is without question that there has been um, an increase in flights of flying saucers. Last year, there was some of the largest flying saucers ever recorded that were uh, sighted, some of them acres and acres long and big. There have been uh, lots of the saucers are seen in different geometrical shapes like triangles and uh, tubular as well as the spinning disc uh, spheres. There has been a expansion of the kind of colors such as orange that has been witnessed. So this prophecy already has had some profound truth come about. Okay, let's go on. What is the threat of the world terrorist in the future? After a period of certain extreme violence, a world front will unite against terrorism, forcing terrorists to concentrate on higher levels of desktop Internet violence instead. Number nine, what is the threat to the world of world diseases? Breakouts of involved bio-diseases will scare the world. Governments will spend sums even exceeding military spending, and incredible new anti-disease innovations will rise. 10. What is the threat to the Earth of sunspots in the future of the Earth? Strange, narrow, angular sun heat streaks from a deep inner depth will be released, reaching further out from the sun than any other time in recorded history, and will send heat waves to particular geographic Earth locations. Much disarray will follow. Most such streaks will strike and affect uninhabited human habitat. Very interesting on this particular prophecy that just recently on television, a famous and well-known and respected scientist has just said that we are living at a time when there is actually a re-expectation uh, or an expectation uh, for a tremendous solar sun flare event to happen. And this is the kind of flare that they're speaking of is not the regular polar shift of the sun that happens yearly. But this is the kind that only happens like every 100 or 200 years. And it is expected again, and they say that it will knock out the satellites, knock out, you know, even your refrigerator. It will knock out the electrical grids. It'll be something that will put the whole earth into turmoil. This prophecy that was given is certainly um, coincide to that kind of uh, possibility. Okay, the next one is, uh, what is the threat to earth of world destruction by life of asteroids and comets to the Earth in the next 20 years. 
scary events, but life will remain intact. What about the false prophet, the Antichrist, and the beast, and the mark of the beast, as to the timing of events? All of these events have present mental images that incur effects, such as there have been Antichrists since the time of Christ, uh, but the actual major events of these forecasts are far, far off into the future. So that is all of the three that we mailed out, and then I want to read you one. I decided not to read the whole of it, but I'm going to read you this um, new Gamma prophecy. Look to the four. Count not the maze and the fog, the things that cannot be said by the people masses because they do not know. Speak so that not only do you know, but those who are not informed and so desire may also know. In the years that lie closely ahead, moods diverse shall rise greater than ever before in the United States of America. This rise of dark moods shall trigger masses of people who have not heretofore publicly expressed themselves. They who rise shall be a backlash to the dark mood people. Print not fear, for fear is like a stinking sore that sinks to mutate into a destructive illness. Prepare to live regardless of circumstances. Be facilitated with alternate capabilities for your living needs. Some things that are reasonable, money will not be able to buy. Uh, use the financial security systems, but don't put whole trust in them. Allow yourself additional provisions outside the standard systems. Believe in prayer, but understand God also gave the leaves of trees for medicine. The paths of God are all meant to be traveled in different days for different circumstances. When you have had to kiss the dust so often, you wake up in the night still tasting it. Remember, cursing will get you nowhere. But ask God to show you how to turn that dust to gold. Angry, selfish people removed the landmarks, knowing not that by doing so, they opened what was once safety zones from the forces dark. The face of the Christian church world will change more and more until it will look and sound more and more like the world, non-religious with this psychics and white magic which will sweep over America and other nations. Fairies, elves, and white witches will replace angels and prophets of God. School systems will insist on free thought throughout their systems of education. But out of this will rise a holy rebellion, and millions will come to be saved. Listeners, at the same time you prepare to die, also prepare to live. At the same time you prepare to submit, also prepare to be set free. At the same time you prepare to stand alone, be prepared for the armies of God to join you. When you smile, show your teeth. For I will cause your teeth to be as teeth of the Lion of Judah. And in that day you will see that the power of peace is greater than all the world's weapons of war. Your will to use signs and proxies and signs of spiritual icons will be observed by many who will wonder but never figure out until you are sitting with God in the kingdom of God upon the flood how or why or what it was all about.
Okay, so we are going to have a little bit of time here to finish some of these other thoughts. And I'm going to uh, move forward and take you right to those. Let's uh, go ahead and um, turn to the book of Romans 11.24. The book of Romans comes right after the book of Acts. Acts comes after the Gospel of John. And so, if you would turn to Romans 11.24, okay, here we go. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature, into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? There are times, there are situations, which there are contraries, like contrary winds, and it is unseeming that someone that is cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature would ever be grafted into the nature of a good and wholesome olive tree. But the scripture clearly evidence that this has been done and that there are reasons for it to be done. You as a person who are um, into things that dominate you due to your genetics and due to your nature and the experiences that you've had in life, you nevertheless have the potentiations to be able to be grafted into another olive tree. Now, the beauty about this thing with Gentile is that it touches on things that have to do with the bearing of the effect of genetics. For instance, uh, there are many diseases that people bear in their body that are the result of genetic transference. Their father and mother or one of their parents had the disease and it was passed on to them. And before that, uh, one of the grandparents had the disease. And these are genetic things that transfer and you end up with it. And in a way, it seems to not be fair. It's not your fault. But in the same way, the talents and the intelligence and the gifts that are carried down by the genetics to you, you don't call those unfair. It's just how the stream of life travels based on the circumstances that prevail. But in Gentile, we are dealing now with people who have genetic diseases. And um, we use various things, like for instance, um, I take and I genetically, by putting instructions that is an energy into the mind, and I go into the chromosome, and I remove the two last chromosomes and push them up to the next set of chromosomes and push the chromosomes that are above them down to the bottom. This switch of chromosomes that I do through this mind power in the body creates a um, disruption of the genetic strain. And in many, many cases, it has been capable of uh, eradicating some of the disease that is carried forth genetically. And so I am broadening that whole concept as well as I am very close now with being able to work with stem cell transference and uh, to set up before putting the stem cells in place to use uh, molecular types of scaffolding to receive those stem cells. And I'm involved in doing this all by putting uh, 
uh, mind energies through the pituitary and the hypothalamus. I then take it forward through the medulla, through the pons, and through the corpus callosum into the neural network of the brain and go to all of the different hemispheres, left hemisphere, right hemispheres, and then the frontal lobes. And uh, by doing this, I eventually get that energy into the systems that are involved in sending signals called messenger systems. And ultimately, through those messenger systems, bring about all these changes that are very positive toward bringing healing and changes in the body. So those are all possible. And when we read about these contrary things that we get, we can't just always just say, well, look, I can't help this. I inherited this from my parents. But there are positives out there. There are Godwins out there that can take a determined hand over and above those contrary circumstances and can change you from the implant that you have in the wild olive sense and put you into a good tree. That's Bible because I've just read it to you here. And um, it goes on then, and it says in the 25th verse, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. God does not want people to be ignorant. And they're in this highly education time of the world and advanced time of science and medicine. There is still groves of ignorance. And it's a really sad thing for the tremendous amount of ignorance that does abide, but it is not the will of God. And Paul writes this so beautifully, using the preposition for, I would not, brethren, and in the Peace Manifest Bible, we do not allow it to say man when it's referring to male and female, or brethren when that incorporates both the male and female. We have special words like un, and uh, U-U-N, which is a pronoun that we use to incorporate both sexes so that it can apply to either male or female. And we have other words as well. And so the contrary winds are being met by the God winds. And there's some changes taking place. And so those are exciting things. Okay, I have one more scripture here to read before I go on to one other thing. But we're we're coming around here. Let's go to the Old Testament to Leviticus, Leviticus 26. And let's read from that portion of Scripture because uh, I think we have something here well worth taking the time to read and apply to this message today. Okay, Leviticus 26, beginning with verse 21. And if you walk contrary unto me, and I will not, Hearken unto you, but I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. And I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary to you, and punish you seven times for your sins. Now, I want to comment on this. We showed how that in the Old Testament, 
the children of Israel were uh, directed to walk between these two mountains. And on the one side was a mountain called the Mountain of Cursing. On the other side was a mountain called the Mountain of Blessings. And there were chosen people that were chosen to stand by the side of the mountain, and as people passed through, they would read by the Mountain of Cursings, they would read all the curses. And on the mountain, by the side of that mountain of blessings, there would be persons that would read all the blessings. Now, we have to understand this about God and how this works. When it says here that God has done this, this is how God has done these things. God has planted in the soundtron. God has planted in the invisible latolution of all of those implants in the energies of all the world that reach everywhere in the universe, the potentials, the potential to choose good or the potential to choose evil, the potential to create good or the potential to create evil. So the Bible tells us that God created evil, but not in the sense of creating evil to put evil upon you, but creating these things so that you had the potential of your own will. You could choose God or not choose God. You could choose good or you could choose evil. And so in that sense, because God created and made it available, then you could say God did this, but not in the sense of direct application, and that's very important. So when we're reading over here from this 21st verse, it is on the side of the cursings, and it's talking about all the things that are potential to come on people, and that if they refuse to be reformed, if they refuse the blessings, then they're going to move over to the side of the potentiations of those things. They're going to move over to the side of those things, which are these curses. But when we read over on the side of the blessings, if we go back in the chapter, chapter 26 of Leviticus, to say the eighth verse, and five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. We see this incredible ratio of odds that is portrayed for those who are under the blessings and uh, how the difference. So we have to suppose that if five are able to chase a hundred, and if a hundred are able to chase ten thousand, that if you're not on the blessing side, then just the opposite happens. Instead of five being able to chase a hundred, uh, then you have an inversion of that. And you've got a hundred things out there that's coming against you in five different possibilities. And you've got ten thousand things that could come against you over a stretched period of time to a hundred of your possibilities. And it goes on and says, for I will have respect, and this is Leviticus 26, verse 9, I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you, and you shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. The capability to be able to use the things that are landmarks that have been established and even provisions that you wouldn't even be wise enough because of the, the force of ignorance that you, by this new anointing, by this new mentality, by the new insight, would be able to know how to use those things. And so this would enable you to overcome if you're on the blessing side. But if you're on the cursing side because you've chose to make certain decisions, to do certain things, to go certain paths, and then these things come on you because of your own free will, that's very sad, but it happens. But then God has made a provision, and it's so beautiful how this provision is marked. 
in the 21st verse, where it talks about the contrary things, it says, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. In the 23rd verse, and if you will not be reformed by me, by these things, but walk contrary to me, then will I also walk contrary to you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And in our teachings of re-ingeneration, in which we tell people that the Bible says that every human being has a time and a chance. There will never live a single solitary person on this planet that does not get a time to live, that does not get a chance to live. An aborted baby is going to get a chance to come back and live out the life of an adult. That's the guarantee of the Bible. Every person is going to get a chance. And here it talks about that there's going to be at least seven times opportunity for your ability or your opportunity to overcome sins. And so there's lots and lots of Bible for this. And that 70 ties in to the chapters in the Bible of Psalms where it talks about, you know, you'll be able to live to 70 years. The average life span will be 70 years. In quantum math, you strike out the zero, you end up with the seven lives. So you end up with actually with seven generations. And then it goes on to say in further scripture how that this whole time equation is going to go on for 70,000 generations. You get that figure by taking seven times thousands of years, you end up with 70,000 years. So it's all there. It's all in the Bible. You can get all the details to that if you get on the blogs. If you get on the manifest writs and all the messages that have been ministered, you can do that both with going to Starrise Community or going to the blogs that are offered there to you on the website, www.themanifestor.com. Okay, now I think I'll read real fast this chapter or so here, not chapter, but little portion in the Peace Bible, Revelations chapter 4. And I saw Christ sitting upon a beautiful throne, which was finished like polished jasper. In fact, I think that we read that last week. So maybe I'll go to the other side, and I'll go into uh, Revelations 3.20, KJV, King James Version. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The Manifest Peace Bible Interpretation. The light of my consciousness seeks unction to let my face shine in every person, in every person who is open to me. For then uh, we will commune with each other in a great communion. And then there are three different levels. And this is called the 30, the 60-fold. And these levels apply to particularizations, like the level 1, which is 30-fold level, applies to the body, the physical body. The holy level Two, which is a 60-fold, applies to your spirit and also the Holy Spirit. Revelations 3.23, we talk about Holy Level 3, which is the 100-fold, and it refers to the soul. Not the soul with a small s that means the physical body, but the soul with the capital S that is talking about the right of inheritance, of spiritual inheritance. So in the Revelations 20, verse 1 of the level 1, 30-fold interpretation, go into your ear and play its harp. It may be while you are absent of mind a great liberty of tune was played. 
and invite the tune of that voice into your consciousness that every grape of juice may be imbued in you. It's all beautiful. It goes on and on. There's so much. But we're running out of time here. I want to take the time to do Gentile. And uh, tonight I want to be dealing again with people who are having uh, various kinds of problems in their body with arthritis, rheumatism, and uh, that um, some of these other problems like osteoporosis. We want to deal with all of these. So if you are ready, let's get going. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic to sympathetic neural transmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue, and the spinal column, begin to send messages into the body to deal with these particular kind of diseases. Rheumatism, arthritis, arthropyrosis, begin to send messages to the hormones, to the metabolism, to the um, various other kinds of parts of the bodies, even the part of the body which is involved in the coordinate organs uh, that is involved in taking and uh, making a various chemistry out of various organic substance within the body and turning it into elements that can be simulated by the body so that there is now beginning to be made from this process of uh, translating energies and molecular substance into substance that will be able to be broadcast into the body once it has been translated into these other element forms and to be assimilated to the body to uh, guard the body against the various problems of rheumatism, arthritis, and osteoporosis. And so we want to deal with that right now with the energy that we have just now put and expended to be loosened in the body, sending those messages to the pituitary and to the hypothalamus and to the thyroid and to the immune system, begin to send these messages to move through all the coordinate systems of the immune system and all of the glands and to purify the blood and then as being purified to put in the antidotes to liberate the body from these said conditions. Send messages into the hormones to begin to messenger to all the parts of the body to also bring deliverance against these invasive things in the body as that have been mentioned and said. If there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anti to this, they are now canceled. God bless you people for listening to these teachings and the Gentile. May the Lord be with you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. Great times are ahead. We're going to beat these contrary winds. The forces dark are going to tremble under the God winds that are beginning to speak through us like the mighty rushing winds of the Holy Spirit. God bless you and good night. Mm-hmm.